Hey, and those uh, who of you are still with me, how about uh, you grab out your Bibles? If you don't have a Bible, scoot really close to somebody next to you that does have a Bible because it's a bit cold in here today. But that's okay. Shoulder to shoulder time. Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh, last uh, a couple weeks ago, I told you that there is a couple books that um, I've really loved that have really helped me out in looking at marriage. In fact, even actually going into this uh, sermon series. And so the first one is this, You and Me Forever uh, by uh, Francis and Lisa Chan. And so, uh, and the second one is this one, uh, uh, From This Day Forward by Craig and Amy Groeschel. And so Here's the deal. I told you that these would be for sale in a couple weeks. And so on the back table uh, at the information center, you can grab one if you want. Uh, they're just 10 bucks a piece. And so, uh, hey, this one's uh, just a really fast read from this day forward. And uh, I really suggest that you and me forever, you go a little bit slower. It comes with some video stuff that you can go online and look at. And then uh, we also do have the, uh, the workbook that goes with it. You don't necessarily have to take the workbook, but uh, go check those out in the back and you'll have an opportunity to to really look at them and peruse them so uh, I highly recommend and the other one was is that I told you guys that we would have a video series for love and respect which I do have and what I'll just do is loan that out to you guys Um, it's 10 discs or actually about 10 weeks Uh, not 10 discs but it's 10 weeks worth of stuff and so uh, you could either watch them all in one week and if you wanted to or you can take them and break them up a little bit but just talk to me about that and I would love to allow you guys to take that um, to take that home with you and so if you haven't been caught up uh, here's the time to be. You ready? Uh, for the past four weeks, we've been going through, actually three weeks, we've been going through a series called For Better or Worse, So Help Me God. And uh, the first week, if any of you remember, what's the first week did we look at? Oh, come on, y'all. Okay, the first week we looked at Seek God. The, the second week we looked at Fighting Fair. Last week we looked at Having Fun. And today we're going to look at staying pure. And next week, uh, which is the sermon uh, right before um, Valentine's Day, so all of you guys will be prepared. Uh, but uh, we will be talking about never giving up in our marriage. And so, uh, man, I've really enjoyed this sermon series. Um, I have had tons of people come to me and just say, man, we've, we really loved uh, what you've been talking about and connecting uh, with one another and uh, in married couples. Uh, it's really funny. Older couples, I'm, I'm pointing to this side. Old, older couples uh, have come up to me and said, man, if the younger couples would really grab a hold of this, this is absolutely unbelievable. And so, uh, hey, older couples, pick a younger couple out and uh, talk to them about that. Hey, uh, younger couples, you can just take an older couple that you really respect Take them, out to, take them out to dinner and just ask them, hey, how have you guys sought God together? How have you guys f- uh, fought fair and, and had fun in your marriage? And, um, and hey, how have you stayed pure? And so do that as you guys um, work together. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Ephesians. Uh, uh, actually, sorry, not Ephesians, Matthew chapter 7. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to start in verse 24. We're going to start in verse 24. Let's read this together. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it 
is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the run, rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on a bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it, it, doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Let's pray. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, God, as we unpack as we unpack what's going on, Lord, I, I would just ask that we could look at our marriages and we would have a desire to stay pure and that we would be able to read your scripture today. And that we'd be able to know that you're speaking to our hearts and that our hearts would be turned to you and that we would have a desire to live your truth out in our lives. God, you're a great God. There's nobody else we'd rather serve. In your name we pray. Amen. So um, those of you who uh, don't know a little bit of my story, I dated a girl for seven years, Nicole number one, and then I dated a, another girl for three months, Nicole number two. And, uh, and as we were dating, um, I kind of remember this time, and I'm going to talk about Nicole number two. And uh, for those of you who are single, this is a great story for you of how not to break up, okay? Uh, badly. So anyway, I, um, after seven years, I was just like, man alive, what's, what's going on with life? And so I then... Uh, found another Nicole and we started dating and I'm telling you instantaneously like a month into it we started like planning all sorts of things out right like we're gonna have two jet skis we're gonna have this boat we're gonna have this amazing house I mean I was working at the Bible bookstore at the time making huge money at six dollars an hour and so this was in the 90s y'all um and so uh we, we just had our lives planned together, right? And so um, one time we uh, were at my house. I was still living with my parents <laughs> um, in college. And so uh, I was at my house and I had this, I had this blanket on my bed that, um, that I had like put nicely because it was awesome. But um, Nicole number two found out it was from Nicole number one. And so she was like, you need to get rid of that. And so I, I actually did get rid of it. Like, I, I don't remember I burnt it or threw it away, but it doesn't matter. So um, that's like a month and a half into our relationship. And then a month and a half later, I found out that Nicole number two is not who I, I wanted to marry. And so um, I, from lots of different things, from just realizing, wait a second, does she have some of the same beliefs that I do? And, and we're going to go into this a little bit more, but some things just became pretty apparent that uh, this wasn't going to work out. First mistake when you're about to break up with a girl, don't do it in a car. So we went on a drive and, uh, and we were just driving around Billings and all this sort of stuff and... And uh, I just told her, uh, 
right away when we were in the car, right? But I'd been like driving like way out, like almost toward Laurel. And um, I just said, hey, I just, I just don't think this is going to work out. And like you should have just seen her face, right? She just instantaneously was just like, are you kidding me? First of all, you're doing this in a car where I can't leave. And second of all, like we were just talking last week about all of our big houses and all these jet skis and all this sort of stuff. And, and so like the next 20 minutes in our car ride was complete silence. And if you don't know also anything about me, um, I don't deal with quiet situations well. And I don't deal with... Um, Oh, how do I put it? I, I have a hard time with when something is really serious, I usually make a joke out of it. And so I started laughing. I just was just like, ha, ha, that's really funny. And all of a sudden, Nicole number two looks at me and goes, what? What? And she was kind of, I mean, she was like six foot. Like this girl could take me, right? Like just in one punch probably. And so like, uh, she was like, what? And I said, I just said, to think I just got rid of that blanket <laughs> and she was like excuse me and I was just like it was a good blanket and oh man that just set it off and I'm not joking three seconds after that I ran over a bunny which just didn't I mean like and then I laughed again and I said it's kind of like our relationship I mean just I mean, I'm just, I'm amazing. I'm really good, right? And so, um, man, that's how Nicole number two ended with Seth Runner. She hates me to this day, by the way. Uh, does not want to talk to me. In fact, actually, there was at one point, like two years after our relationship, where a friend of mine went to her and she's like, you better tell Seth that I'm doing fine without him. So anyway, um, I hope she's doing really well without me. I look at that in this, in this certain sense after reading this um, piece of scripture. Is this. Is that when we build our life on the right foundation, when winds come, when things happen, we're, we're unshaken. But when we build it on things like buying jet skis and buying boats and getting a bigger house and having tons of children, I don't know, all of these sort of things, it really ends up being quite shaky when we finally realize what really matters in terms of things. And so today when we look at this idea of staying pure, I wonder if we could come to the point of going... Hey, for those of you who aren't married yet, who are about to be married, I hope that later on that you would start building that foundation. That you would start building the right foundation in which to look at marriage correctly. If you want some amazing things to, to look at, hey, there's a book that changed, that, that changed the way I, I looked at um, dating relationships. One of them was When God Writes Your Love Story by Eric and Leslie Ludi. Uh, and the other book is, of course, uh, a lot of us have uh, read it, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Not my favorite one, but it's, it's another great one. And one of the ways it just said, here's the deal. What if we were looking at marriage differently in terms of what I can get, but following God and glorifying him no matter what? Always, that's my first intent and purpose, is to glorify God and seek his kingdom first. 
and we talked about that a while ago uh, in the first one, is what would happen if we actually sought the kingdom of God first before all else. Because my question is for those of you who are married and maybe you've started out your relationship and kind of maybe not the right foundation. I wonder if maybe we could today switch the mission of your relationship just a little bit more and begin to actually build a better foundation than what it's on. And I do have a question is this, is what is your mission as a married couple? What is your mission as a married couple? Is it simply just to survive? Because if it's just to survive, the rest of what I'm going to talk about today is going to actually hurt your marriage. Or is it to sit there and say, we have got an amazing foundation in which we live our relationship on. And when the storm comes and when things hit, we're okay. Here's what I think of most of the time. Did you know that, like, one of the, what, did you know? I, I don't know why I started with that. But one of my favorite viewpoints is the, oh, actually one of my favorite pictures, I should say, is the straw huts sitting out in, like, on a beach, right? And I think about the idea of what happens when a huge storm comes by. We know those things are going Right, they're beautiful and they're amazing and, and in fact they're uh, maybe just tied up in a, a cute little bow, right? We could, we could even look at that in terms of relationships and, and maybe a relationship that you might think is pretty amazing is the Brangelina story, right? The Brad and Angelina Jolie and they all look good, but where are they at now? Right? They did all these amazing, wonderful things, and, and, we've been, and the world has praised them for their amazing things, and yet we see another relationship destroyed. I look at that picture, and I think to myself, man alive, it's, it's absolutely pretty and amazing looking, but it, it really doesn't have any substance. Then I think about the other end of the spectrum. If we were to look at something solid, in my picture, in my mind, I see this huge, hearty log cabin. Got smoke coming out of it, right? But somebody had to chop the wood at some point and pile it all up, and they had to do the work to make it nice and cozy, and it's an absolute beautiful thing, but I don't think we realize the work that it takes to put that together. The hours of maybe hauling things in just to level it out. The trees we had to chop to get there. The amount of tar we have to put in different places. Or just bringing stuff in. It's not, it's not super easy, but it's worth it. And we sit there and we go, man, that looks cozy. And so I wonder today, though, if I were to ask that question, what is the mission? What is your mission as a married couple? Is it to be a light to everybody? Is it to be the comforting, cozy place in which people go, man, that's something different and I want to see it. And they've put the work into that and they've put the effort into that so that they could see that maybe this is, an ama uh, this is a lot like the relationship that God does with us. That he would come down, that he would do the work and that he would be willing to suffer so that we could have relationship with him. 
if the Bible talks about, actually, the, the Bible does talk about, hey, going and making disciples, is your marriage a testament to be able to help make disciples? Is your marriage having the opportunity to help people live the gospel joyously? Or do people just look at it and go, ah, oh, well, they're just surviving. They're just making it through. Or we make jokes all the time about that, right? We, we constantly go, yeah, you know, the best way to get to a marriage is just to always say that your wife is right. For 50 years, keep doing that. But what if we came to the point of sitting there and going, man, they've put the work, they're working together to make their marriage thrive. And it is glorifying to God, not just to them. And so today, I want to sit in a little bit of a, a scripture with you in Hebrews. And so if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13 together. And this is the very end of the book of Hebrews. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm only going to pick one little verse out of this. But if you have time this week, would you please read this chapter? I mean, I am pulling out one little piece of scripture in this, and yet it is a huge list of ways in which we can have a sacrificial life to God. And so in verse 4 is where we're going to be, chapter 13, verse 4. And this is what it says. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. In another place, it says this. It says, marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. I think that if we were to start building a foundation, whether it was, uh, whether you've been married for a long time or you're just getting to the place of going, man, I, I, I'm getting, I'm starting to look at wanting to be married or dating, right? And so here's the first thing that we can do to build our marriages on a great foundation is this. First thing is that marriage should be honored by all. Marriage should be honored by all. I'm telling you the reason why I think that I, that I got so far uh, into the point of uh, with Nicole number two is because I didn't honor marriage. I liked the idea of marriage that, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. You're in college now. You're supposed to look for somebody to marry. But I don't know if I realized what marriage entailed or I didn't know how to honor marriage. The problem is, is that we are more and more tempted in today than in the past to not honor marriage. We just kind of do this. Sometimes we see even, uh, hey, let's speed date so we can figure out if we're compatible. And so there's whole clubs set up just to speed date. There's whole sites in getting the idea of, hey, let's match the perfect person to you so that you can, uh, can find your soulmate in this world. 
and circumvent maybe the idea of actually seeking God first and allowing him to match the right one for you. How about this one? Some of the ways that we actually don't honor is we love the idea of, hey, maybe we should just move in to see if we can marry, be married. And so we move in with one another and we test out the waters and we see if it's going to work. The problem is, is right with moving in together, here's where it goes is now we start getting into premarital sex, which we know always changes things a little bit. We act like we're married, we're doing all the married things, but we have none of the vows in which bring us together to honor marriage. We even know actually that even in dating, because we don't honor marriage and we don't honor the one we're going to be married to someday, that man, it, it, that premarital sex messes with the mind, right? We see it in high school. Um, we, we see it in high school kids age all the way up to almost 30 now, right? We, we know that premarital sex creates a... Uh, for lack of a, of a better term, uh, better term a, hormo a hormonal response that allows the girl to, in her mind, attach to the one that she is having sex with. And now think of that ripping over and over again. Doesn't, doesn't help build strong relationships at all. And then boys, uh, yeah. Boy, you should think with something else. Moving on. Uh, the second way in which I think that we build great foundations, and this is going to be for those of you who are married, is this, that the marriage bed should be kept pure. The marriage bed should be kept pure. If you don't hear anything else from me today, I would love you to walk away with that in mind. Ephesians 5, and we're actually going to read Ephesians 5, 1 through 5 together. And this is what that says. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sin have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. You know, uh, you can probably expect that when I was going to do this sermon, it was going to be all about, uh, hey, be, 
pure in your marriage. And so I have a huge talk of, uh, hey, people who are addicted to pornography, and we're going to get to that. But I, I, I wonder, what do you bring to your bed every night? When you go to sleep, what do you bring to your bed every night? I wonder, some of you may have, uh, and I'm not, I'm not knocking you at all, but I wonder, some of you, how many of you have TVs sitting in your bedrooms that completely distract you from being in a relationship with your spouse? How many of you, the very first thing that you do when you get to bed is, is you're just sitting there and you've got a book and you're reading a book and you're not really conversing with one another? How many of you, which, here's the deal, it might even be a Bible and that's, that's A-okay. How many of you sit on your phones and are just scrolling aimlessly through Facebook because, hey, this is how I wind down. I've got the kids to bed. Here we go. I need to check up on my Facebook. How many of you are, uh, here's one that I do. I, I love to bring my laptop so that Virginia and I can maybe watch an Amazon movie before we go to bed. Which is crazy because I'm pretty sure the other night we watched a movie, but yet in that week we probably didn't pray with one another. And that's my fault. So when we talk about this idea that the marriage bed should be kept pure, I wonder if we have the desire to be with our spouse in bed and actually allow just us to be there. Allow us to talk to one another, spend time. It, it's not wrong to have a book, but I wonder if we allow other things to take that place in our beds. What about the idea of going to bed in anger? What about going to bed still fighting with one another? What about those of us who actually probably are doing things outside of the bed, but yet we're bringing those things in? We're having unwholesome talk. We're allowing things to get into our minds. And yet we're sitting there saying, man, I'm going to bring it in, but I'm going to keep it a secret. Because there are some of you that are addicted to pornography. And you're bringing it to, to your marriage bed all the time. Or those of you who maybe aren't married are grabbing a hold of those things and you're building a foundation on an unhealthy sexual relationship. And then you're going to bring that to your marriage bed in the future. I wonder if we could look at this and go, I want to keep my marriage bed pure. I wonder if you could maybe switch a little bit in your mindset today and think of it this way. That guys, from now on, wherever you're at, now on, because you want to follow Christ, you start to realize that your wife is your standard of beauty. And I'm gonna, that, that's from somebody I listened to a long, long time ago. And I'm gonna make one up myself, which is this, is that wives that you would see that your husband is the standard of manliness. Because I'm here to tell you, and Tony, I'm going to throw you under the bus, but that's okay, you're my friend. Tony and I have a very special relationship. Tony, <laughs> that's funny. 
Well, let's think about, hey, Tony and I have a very special relationship. Tony can look at something and he can go, yeah, I can make that better. I can fix that. That's amazing. I look at something and I go, yep, that's broke. I got to find somebody to fix it. Right? Like I am not manly in terms of building an engine. I can't swap anything out. I can't like jerry-rig something to work together for a while. I can't do any of that, right? And then I bring that into my marriage bed going, I'm not as manly as Tony is. Virginia probably wants to be married to Tony. <laughs> right? And I'm here to tell you that my wife only wants to be married to me because Tony could never stand up here right now. Right? Tony could never be in this position to be able to speak. He'd fumble words. I mean, as cool as Tony is, he, he'd be so nervous all the sort of time. All the sort of time. All the time. And I think about that and I think to myself, here's the deal. How often do we not allow for that, that mindset to come across us. I, I even think about that, keeping the marriage bed pure. Man, I'm sure my wife would be rather married to somebody else. Well, the, well she's not. She's married to you. And wives, you come and think the exact same thing over and over again. Man, ah. Oh. I'm sure my husband would be, rather be married to some other hotter-looking, younger thing. Absolutely not. And if your husband says otherwise, have them come talk to me. I've got Tony as a friend who can beat him up. He's got big wrenches. No, I'm, I'm here to tell you that what if you started realizing that if your wife was the standard of beauty, that when you walked into a room, you could care less to look at any other woman but your wife. Because she ha she's the whole entire package. More than just beautiful on the outside, beautiful on the inside. Because that's who you married. If we're going to look at honoring and keeping the marriage bed pure, man, what if we could think that? What if we could actually know that always? That our marriage vows that we said at the very beginning when we started our marriage. For better or worse, for richer and poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us, till death do us part. Honestly, what you're saying is, is it is not based on what they're doing. It is based on what you're going to do. I wonder if we could start getting that through our minds. That when we do, that men, when you do see another beautiful woman, that you would start to realize that you can bounce your eyes. That I'm not going to give another second towards that thought. That I'm not going to give any gaze longer than it needs to be because that woman pales in comparison to my wife. That the one that you're married to has got the total package. I wonder if you realize that. And I hear that a lot of you are probably saying, well, you don't understand. My wife is like this. No, I do understand. Your wife is sinful. And so are you. So man, do you have a desire to sit there and go, no, I want to keep my marriage bed pure. 
that I am not allowing other things to creep in, other thoughts to creep in. Women, I am sure that there are other men who probably do talk to you and your husband doesn't and you're like, I just wish my husband would talk to me. And so you go down the path. But guess what? Maybe if you change that a little bit and you just said, hey, I just, I just want to talk to you tonight. No fighting, just want to talk. Because we talked about fighting fair last week. I wonder if that would change your mindset that my husband is my standard of manliness. Because here's the other deal that I need to realize, and wives you can realize too, is as amazing as Tony is and as amazing as I am, there's somebody way better out there than both of us. And it's called your husband. Because we're all sinners and we all fall short. So the next question then becomes, well then how do we change our mindset? Because if all of us are, have fallen short and some of us have not kept the marriage bed pure, what do we do then? And I think that there's only three responses that you can have to the impurity that you've allowed into your marriage or into your own thought, thought process, into your hearts. And the first response is this, is that we get defensive. It's not the best thing just to tell you, <laughs> but this is some of the response. Well, you don't understand. My wife should be giving me this, or my husband should be doing this. It still doesn't give us the right to allow impurity to come in. There's a great, uh, guys, if we're going to talk about, girls, I'm sorry, I don't have much for you because I'm, I'm going to get on the guys a little bit for the defensiveness part. But, man, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. He says, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed, a, committed adultery with her in his heart. I mean, we've already looked at this in Hebrews chapter 13. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. Guys, if you've ever looked at somebody other than your wife lustfully, you've committed adultery. This isn't for those who have had affairs or anything like that. No, this is, you have to realize this is us. But, but Seth, you don't understand. I don't get what I want and I need more sex and all these different things. No, I completely understand. Maybe you've lost the vision of, maybe you've lost the mission of, of what it means to be in a relationship. And then we don't change anything about what's happened to us, right? We just continually be defensive and allow ourselves to continue going on. There's no heart change whatsoever. It's almost as if we're trying to make excuses for our sin. The next one is this, is that uh, the, the second response that we have is we do, we have remorse, right? We feel bad for what we did. Yeah, you're right, I'm sorry. But we do nothing to fix it. We do nothing in the process to do anything. And so, yeah, sure, we feel bad, but guess what? We're just going to continue to keep going on with what we're doing. I'm sorry, you can, you can do it this way. You can even say, I'm sorry that I got caught. 
I'm sorry that I got caught. And so we do more things to actually help us not get caught anymore, right? We, we, do, we actually do really good things. Man, there's programs out there that we can put on our computers that allow us not to get into that position anymore, right? We have safe eyes. We have, and every single time it, um, you go on the internet, it sends an email to all your accountability partners. And it allows them to know what you're seeing and what you're not. And so you kind of mitigate it, but it's not really changing your heart. You're just kind of circumventing around it. And here's the deal. A lot of people say, uh, a lot of people will come up to Brian, and I, Brian or I and, and come into uh, counseling with us. And they'll just, they'll just say, man, I, I just need to get rid of X, Y, and Z in my life. Especially pornography, which we know is huge in today's culture. Man, it's easier to get more than ever on our phones. And so yet we just kind of deal with it. And here's what we say. We, we say, hey, you're not looking at pornography because, you're, you, because your wife is doing something bad or because you're not getting what you want. No, you're looking at pornography because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you would realize that you're powerless and no amount of putting something in or trying to mitigate things or not talking to that guy or gal because we don't want to have an emotional affair or anything like that. No, it is asking us to do the work of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It means being with him daily. It means looking at these things and going, if it says that I'm going to commit adultery by looking at a girl last week, I'm just not going to do it. And God, I need your help which is the third and best response, which brings us to the third and best response. Repent. It's repentance. And repentance is this, is that you realize that your heart is wrong and that the only person that has the opportunity to fix it is Jesus. Jesus is the healer. Jesus is the healer in this. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to go, no, I am wrong and I am sorry. I'm not going to be defensive anymore and I am sorry this is wrong and I turn away from it. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this, flee from sexual immorality. Flee from it, not, hey, just mitigate it. No, flee, turn around and run. Run away from it. Second Corinthians 7.10, Brad, you had it up there so you can leave it up there. Godly sorrow, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience, leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regrets for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. And if we do not repent we're going to find ourselves back in our old ways. Nothing has changed. We're just behavioral modification. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about seeking him first. And here's how I would look at it. As if you're finding yourself where you don't have, that you've had impurity in your marriage. And go back to step number one, seek God. And then you can fight fair 
And then you be, can begin to have fun. And then you stay pure. Now here's the deal. There are some of you in this room who have already gone through really hard times. Some of you in this room who have had broken marriages. Some of you in this room who have had impurity rip your marriage apart. And I want to tell you that the gospel of Christ comes and says, I can help you with that. It's not easy. We deal with people who come into our office over and over again saying, yeah, but Seth, you don't realize what happened to me. How can I forgive? And I want to challenge you with something. I want to ask you the question, how does Christ forgive you? And I know we're human beings, and I know it's not easy. But God saw us in our most helpless estate, and he knew we were wrong. And he said, it's okay, I'll still come and be with you. You're wrong, and you have literally not kept things pure between us. But God comes to us and says, I want to be a part of your life still. I want to have a relationship with you. And so it starts with repentance. Maybe there are those of you who need to repent to your spouse and say, I'm sorry for being impure in our marriage. And there, the other spouse needs to go, man, that's really hard, but I want to forgive you and I want to move forward. Let's seek God together. Notice I didn't say, let's seek, uh, let's seek what you think is okay for retribution. No, let's start seeking God together. Because I wonder what would happen if we just started allowing the love of Christ to come in. How many of our marriages could be healed? How many of them could be mended? How many of them could come back to a point where we know that the only reason why we're still together is because of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts? I'm no longer going to let impurity get into my marriage. I'm going to invite the worship team up and we're going to pray and then we're, we're going to sing a song. And while we're singing that song, I wonder if you would be willing to ask God that if you need your heart changed today, that you would ask for the ability for your heart to change. That you would seek repentance. That you would ask God to forgive you and that you would change the, tra the trajectory of your heart. And then Brian's going to come and close us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we want to be people who have a, a great foundation of what it means to honor marriage and what it means to stay pure in marriage. And God, would we not be defensive and would we not simply just have remorse about what we're doing, but would we see that this is wrong and that we need to change? That God, you invite us into an amazing relationship with you and you love us so much that you would send your son 
to be the sacrifice, to be the person that allows us to repair relationships with, to repair the relationship with you. And that God in turn that repairs, that can give us the strength to repair relationship with each other. Because God, your loss us to love you with everything and to love our neighbor as ourselves and our spouses are our neighbors and our future spouses will be the closest neighbor. And Lord, we don't want to get that wrong. We want to honor and we want to cherish that. And God, would we not let impurity invade and would we flee from all of those? God, would you heal marriages? Would you send your Holy Spirit to draw people closer to you so that they can be drawn closer to each other. God, if they're, God, I, for some reason, I'm even just thinking of physical ailments in marriage. God, if there's any physical ailments in marriage, God, uh, would you heal? Would you repair? And would you restore so that their marriages glorify you? God, that they can look back and know that it was all because of you and not because of them. So God, would we stay pure in our marriages? In your name we pray, amen.
Good worship. Um, today is the, the Super Bowl, if you guys don't know. Uh, one thing I was, I was listening to the radio, I listened to a, a sports radio station on, on satellite radio the other day. And, um, sorry, it was satellite radio. <laughs> uh, but they were talking about what's called the salary cap. And I'm not gonna go into great detail, but apparently each of the 32, 36, whatever teams there are in the NFL, they get, and I, I can't remember the exact number, it's either 172 or 176 million dollars a year that they can spend on salary. And they're capped at that. They had to make a rule to stop the teams from spending too much money so one team wouldn't get more power than the other team. And so I'm not going to try to do amazing Seth math up here, but really quickly, if we just say 172 million times 32 teams, just in what they can spend on salary, not advertising, not buildings, not, not all the rest of the stuff that comes from you know, training and different things like that, but just in the salary they can pay the players and coaching and staff. They're capped at that. And we multiply that out by 32 teams and then we have the, the NFL and we culminate to a day like today, which is one of the most watched television things ever, even though it's down this year and how much is gonna be watched. There's an industry out there that makes more money than the NFL does a year. And actually you can then take the NFL and you can add the NBA into it, uh, the National Basketball Association with all of those players and all their salary caps and all of the money that they make. You can add that to what the NFL makes. And then you can take another sporting thing that's really big in America called uh, the Major League Baseball. And, and you could take all of that and you could put it into this lump as well and all of their salaries and all the money made from advertising and everything else um, still pales in comparison to one industry in the United States that's the porn industry. The eight of 10 men not, not just look, suffer from an addiction in the United States. One website in the United States um, last year, or not last year, it was 2016, I think, maybe it was earlier than that, but um, had, had a million years viewed of video content on just that one website in one year. We have an extreme problem in the United States that we're all gathered behind and we're all not talking about. Seth and I have talked many times about wanting to do a class to, to bring good Christian men together. The problem is, is these Christian men are gonna have to realize they have a problem. And so we wouldn't have any attenders of the class because 80% of us wouldn't admit that we have a problem with purity. There's definitely a problem. It's definitely right here in this room and it's not just with that industry. There's so many other ways that we defile our relationship with our wife and with Christ. And so the boring answer is the real answer. That through the entire Old Testament, God gave us ways that we could earn our way. And we just talked about it with, with student leadership this morning, about how intricate and how hard it was for them in the Old Testament to, to, to just meet with God for moments a year in the tabernacle and the holiest of holies, all the rules that we had to do to try to just meet with him for just moments and we couldn't do it. But Christ lives with us right now and all of those purity problems go away. The only way, what did I write down? How do we make something pure? We don't, we can't. 
Jesus can make your marriage pure. And so the Awana answer, as I say, you know, no matter what answer, uh, question you ask in Awana, hey, what color is that tree? Jesus! Yep, you're right. <laughs> Which hand am I holding up? The left or the right? Jesus! But that is the answer. God is the answer. You're not making your, your, your marriage bed impure with Jesus there. You're not making these moments in your life impure with Jesus there. He doesn't walk with us through impurity. He brings us out of it. And so the answer is the Awana answer. It's Jesus. And then it's, it's what he says that we need to do, and that's, that's find relationship with other people that have found that the answer is Jesus. And we, we strengthen each other to keep going to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for, for everything it takes to, to, to work through a Sunday morning with a, a, an amazing worship team and volunteers at our Welcome Center, um, people in the, the prayer room and running classes and, and those up in the, the media area and, and our ushers and, and everybody that, that comes here and adds to the family, your family, Christ. Uh, we thank you so much for this, this amazing church family. Lord, Lord, some things that you say can be convicting to us, and I, I, I know a lot that you say can be convicting to me, and I pray that we don't stifle, that we don't just be remorseful, that we don't get defensive, but Lord, that we repent and we turn to you. Lord, I pray that, that those that need help seek help, and that Lord, as, as we go through the rest of our day, may we continue to just glorify you and you alone. We love you, Lord. We ask all of these things in the name of your Son, and we leave with the most level playing field there is, the foot of the cross, and all God's people said, amen. Have a great Sunday.